We are continuing in our Ephesians series this morning. So we're in chapter 4 of Ephesians, working through, listening to what is it that, that God has been teaching his people for centuries upon centuries, right? Generations upon generations. Um, as I have spent time in this passage, there's this prevailing thought that um, has shaped the way that, that I understand, or a prevailing way of understanding the, even the, the journey that's ahead of us. Uh, a few years ago, I did a thing that uh, I had always wanted to do but had never done before, and that was to take an extended multi-day backpacking trip, right, where you take everything that you're going to need to survive for like a few days, and you have to not just put it in the car and drive somewhere, and like we're going to camp on the side of the road somewhere, or wherever it is that Alaskans find to, to camp in some pretty creative ways, right, <laughs> at least this time of year on the peninsula. Um, but it was, it was, okay, everything that I'm going to need for a few days, the provisions, the food, the sleeping system, all those kinds of things, and it was like, so, so what am I going to need? And so my friend who had in, invited me on this trip, he sent me an email, and it was, here is the packing list of what's appropriate for the kind of hike that we're about to do, right? We're going to go, and we're going to summit this like 13,000, almost 14,000 foot ridge, and we're going to spend time camping at, at high elevation and, and continue on, and here's the kind of food you're going to need. Here's everything that's, that's maybe a little bit different than the kind of camping and the kind of hiking that you've done before. And so I'm looking through this list that he sent, I, you know, like in the preparation, the preparation for these kinds of things is actually sometimes even more fun than the actual experience. But um, you go through and it's like, okay, so here's what I'm going to need. And you're going through the list and all these kinds of things. And, and I get to the bottom of the list and it was this like note, things you don't need, right? <laughs> things that you don't need to bring. Because there's this tendency on these kinds of journeys to say, well, I'm going to pack for my fears, not necessarily for my needs. I'm going to pack for the things that, well, what if this happens? Or what if I want to like, do this? And he said, you're talking a very economical approach to things, where it's like, you're just going to take absolutely the things that you specifically need for this particular journey. So, so, so don't bring this, and don't bring this. And so this is this list of here's the brings and the don't brings. And so I was preparing for the trip, and... Um, started to pack my pack, and then I was going to get to the don't bring, and it's like, okay, there are things that need to come out, right? There are things that, like, I'm not going to need to bring this. It's like, that might be kind of nice to have, and what if I want to use, like, that's going to come out because it's the don't bring list. In some ways, what's happening is I'm having to learn to trust the one who is leading me on this particular journey, right? So this is Paul now writing as he's writing to the church in Ephesus, doing a similar kind of thing. It's the bring, don't bring. Um, in that moment, as we're talking about this hike, it's like, I've got to trust the guy who's done this before. Right, the guy who is leading me. I've got to trust those who have done this sort of journey before because I'm entering into uncharted territory. I've never done what's ahead of me before. Right? I've read articles about it. I've watched YouTube videos. I'm, I'm excited. I think I know what to expect, but, but I have to trust. Right? I have to trust the one who's, who's gone ahead of me to learn to trust the leader, trust those who have gone before, and trust the packing list. Right? To trust that the things that we that we're called to bring, or the, the, the things that we bring, we trust that we bring those things, and the don't bring list, um, trust that as well, recognizing that there are certain things that, that may be good for other kinds of adventures that, that, are, that are not as helpful on that particular journey that, that we're moving forward. And there might be things we like, there might be things that I'm comfortable with, things that are familiar, but it's, it's on the don't bring list, right? It's not, it's not compatible with the journey that's ahead of me. What I learned and what we learn in life as we move forward is that by making room, right, by doing the don't bring work, by taking the pack and saying, I'm going to minimize what I'm bringing so, so, that, so maybe there's some things along the way that, you know, that, we, that we can pick up along the way. The don't bring is what makes room for 
to pick up and bring along the way. So we're talking choices, right? This is what Paul's talking about in this moment in Ephesians. He's been talking through stories. He's been, he's been saying, so, so, so here's the, the way the big story works and the way the little stories work in the, in the, it kind of like combined with the big story. And then he talks about the different parts of the story. You've got the beginning of the story, the middle of the story, and the end of the story. Talking about the middle where the, the transformation happens, where the things happen along the way that, that change the way we see things. This is on this foundation of Jesus Christ, this journey begins, right? This, this thing that, 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 that is going to be this life-changing moment. But along the way, as Paul's writing, the, the book of Ephesians is written to a, a group of people who were trying to sort out what it looked like to follow in the way of Jesus in the midst of chaos, right? In the midst of rioting and uncertainty and their, and their leader and the, and the person of Paul has been imprisoned. And so they're looking at circumstances that, that just don't make sense. And Paul says, so you have some choices to make. Right? You have some choices to make about what your focus is going to be. You have some choices to make about how you're going to respond to circumstances. You have some choices to make about, about the kind of community that you're going to be. Right? Is it we're going to be marked by certain things? What is it that we're going to be marked by? And all that comes up to these, this idea of choices, right? The bring and the don't bring components of our, of our journey. It's, there's these choices in some ways that for some of us, we look at the choices that we make on a regular basis and it's like, they are just... They are patterns, right? It's not just that we've made this unique decision. It's like we have made this same decision over and over and over again, so much so that that, that decision maybe has become a habit that, that has become like this ingrained pattern of living in our lives. And so in some ways, we feel almost like we're stuck in a certain, certain pattern of choices. For some of us, we are beginning a brand new journey. Right? We're starting to see God work in different kinds of ways. We're starting to recognize that he's inviting us to a different way of living. And all of a sudden, that means that we're starting to, to look at the choices in front of us in, in different kinds of ways. So this is disorienting, potentially, pro, uh, process where it's like, well, I used to, this used to be an automatic thing for me, but now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm making choices with this, this extra layer to it where it's like, is this what God wants for me? Is, is this compatible with the way of Jesus? And, and we're wrestling with these, these, this, this change in the way that we're making our decisions. All that adds up to this idea that what happens in us, right? the, the things that, that God is doing in us should change the way that, that we live. Right? It should change what, what happens in our lives, right? the way that we make our decisions, that what happens in you or what happened in you, as Paul's talking to this people, he says, look, the, you heard the story of Jesus and it changed your perspective. Right? It not only changed your perspective, but it, it invited you into this salvation story and this, this transformational journey and, and what has happened in you should change what comes out of you, right? should change the way you relate to the world around you. And there's these tensions that exist in that reality is that, that transformed, right, the process of transformation, this process of being made new, this, this process of being transformed as we follow after Jesus does not mean automatic, right? It doesn't mean autopilot. It doesn't mean that we can just say, well, look, I, I made that one decision and now everything else just happens in this automatic kind of way that's like setting the cruise control and, and, and setting it in a certain way. And it's like, well, now everything else is just going to happen smoothly. It's like, look, I made that choice. Why isn't everything happening the way I'd expect it to happen, right? Transform doesn't mean automatic, but it does mean that we make a consistent and constant series of choices, right? That's why this message is called the choices, not just the choice, right? We're, we're faced with, with a big decision. We make the big choice, but then there's all the choices that go along with that, these, these choices that, 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 that set the course of our lives, it's this constant series of choices. It's, the, it's this 
or it's that. Right? It's the packing list that says these are things that come with me or these are things that, that stay home that are, that are incompatible with the journey that's ahead of me. We have these choices to make, and it's not just one choice, but it's this, this series of choices. And so Paul, in Ephesians chapter 4, is writing. And he's talking about this life. He's talking about what it looks like to, to live as a follower of Jesus. He talks about this way of life. And then in verse 22, he picks up and says, you were taught. And he says, you're talking about this idea of, 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 of the things that you have learned and the way that you should live it out. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, therefore... Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He says, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as, Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. He says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That Paul is speaking to a people who are trying to figure out what life is supposed to look like, right? They've, they've heard this news, they've, they've trusted that, that, it, that it means something for them, that, that life could look different. And then Paul, with all the urgency of a man who's been in prison, not knowing what his, what his future actually holds, is, is writing to a church that he cares about, that he, that he remembers with, with fondness the, the journey that they took as they experienced all the, the, the chaos of the, of the birth of this movement. He says, don't forget what you were taught. Don't forget the things that, 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 that you learned. But it's not just what you were taught. It's what you do with what you were taught. Right? The letter would have been much shorter if he would have just said, remember, this is what we believe. Right? This is what you need to think. This is, this is the way you answer that question. But he says that, that, that it matters what we do with what we know. It matters what we do with what we've learned. He says, you were taught, verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to, to put off your old self not just a different way of thinking, but now we're talking a different way of being, a different identity even, wrapped up in, 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 in who we are, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Right? Not a surprise when we're, when we're trapped in these things that we, we understand what that looks like, but Paul's calling it out, saying, look, that old self is incompatible with the, with the new journey that you're on. It says, being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is establishing this framework for the, for the rest of this conversation that he's having with this Ephesian church. He's establishing this, you're going to have to put some things off. You're going to have to, to, to leave some things behind. There are some things that are on the, the, the don't bring list. So, so we're going to call those out, but the, but the good news is what you're doing is actually making room for something new. Right, you're making room for something better. It's not just, right? The, isn't it such good news that the Christian life, that the, that the journey with Jesus, the journey towards what Jesus is calling us to, isn't just don't do, don't do, don't do. 
He says, but there are, you, you don't do so that, so that things can look different, so that you can put on this better way. So what we're going to see is, is Paul uh, taking what people remember about Jesus' life, taking what people remember about Jesus' teaching, and then, and then saying that, that this is what your life should look like. But it's wrapped up in this letter not just to an individual. He didn't write this letter to a person, but he wrote it to, to a church, to a Christian community. He says, so this is what your community should look like. This is what the culture of this Ephesian church should be like, that, that if you can get this piece right, this, this understanding that, that everything is built on the foundation and then built under the, the, the banner that Jesus is Lord, that, that life is different, that there's an opportunity to, to live in a different way, that transformation is possible, that it's not just forgiveness, but it's, it's an invitation to a way of living. So if this Christian culture, this, this church community in Ephesus can get this, right? This church community in Soldatna, Alaska, 2,000 years later, if we can get this, to say this is what Jesus taught and this is what it means for us, right? The, 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 we're not just a people of saying, well, here's all the rules and we're going to throw the flag on the field and say that's, that's, that goes against, that's a put off, put off, put off. But to say we're talking about the better way, right? We're talking about something better than, than just the put off, right? There's, there's important things that we have to do. There's choices we have to make. But then there's also the choices of, of what takes their place. And it changes the way a community operates. It changes the way we even relate to each other. Because all of a sudden we move from just simply acting like referees and, and calling people out on things to say, we actually are trying to help you get to somewhere better. Right? We believe that what could be is better than what is, and so we're going to do everything we can. We're going to create systems, and, and we're going to spend time in small groups. We're going to spend time over coffee wrestling with the what could be, allowing our prayerful imaginations to, to take us to places that, 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 that honor God with the way that we live. So here's Paul, not just writing to people, right? There's individual responsibility, but he's, he's casting vision for a particular culture of a church, describing what Christian community could look like that he's writing to this church, and he says, therefore, right, verse 25, therefore, he turns his attention from the, the, the big church culture, the, the this is what should be and how you guys should operate together to, to as individuals, this is the part that you play. He says, therefore, each of you, right, individual responsibility, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Right, this pattern that Paul is, 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 is using in this passage is that we're going to start with, we're going to start with what doesn't work, right? the don't bring list. He says, so, so falsehood is something that doesn't come with us. So we, so we put off that, but, but life isn't just about avoiding falsehood. Right? Life isn't just about not telling lies. That, that life isn't about that. So he says, but, but, we, but we speak truthfully. Right? We put on truth because we're members of one body, which means we care about what happens in other people's lives, which, which means that, that it matters to us what, what's happening with, within other parts of the body. He says, so we, so we put off. And we could get stuck, and I think sometimes churches can get stuck on this, and people can get stuck on this thing, so I'm just going to not do, I just need to, to figure out how to avoid these things. I can, if I can just stop doing the things that, that I know I'm not supposed to do, so I'm going to put off falsehood. And then tomorrow I've got to put off falsehood, I've got to put off falsehood. And Paul says, but we replace that. There's the put on, the other side of it. It's the, it's the different and better. What's necessary is that we don't lie, but what's better is that we speak truthfully. Right? It's, it's necessary that we have a healthy relationship with the truth, but it's better that the truth becomes something that changes our, changes our church community, that changes this, this body that we're a part of. That there are many different ways to lie. Right? There's many different ways to, to speak falsehood and, and none of them 
right? None of them are loving. And so Paul is describing to this Ephesian church as we get to listen in and, and wrestle with what it means for us as a church is he's describing this community that's a, a truth-telling community. Not just that we don't tell lies, but we speak truth, right? It's a different thing. It's a, it's a better way of living. It's a, it's a better way of operating as, as a community. It's not like we're just nice to each other. We actually care, right? We actually care about helping each other move forward. A, a truth-telling community. In verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not, let, do not give the devil a foothold. She's describing this, this pattern. In some ways, it's, a, it's maybe the, the negative of, of the pattern that he was just talking about, saying that, that there is this, this response that we have as human beings that, that certain things, when they are wrong, right, that there's anger that comes, that there's this, this righteous indignation that can come up when, when things aren't right, when we're mistreated, when things happen that, that may be unexpected or are harmful or we see something happen to someone else and, and this, this anger rises up in us, which is not an unnatural response to certain conditions, right? There's certain things that happen that, that, that we respond in anger. But what happens is, Paul says, that, 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 that anger can become a pattern, Right, that anger can become the way of operating. So it's, so it's not just the response to a certain stimulus that, 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 that causes anger, but it's, but, it's, but it's now I'm operating in anger. Right, that maybe I'm even looking at this other person, and when I see them, all I can see is the thing that has made me frustrated with them. And so the sun comes up, goes down and comes up on our anger, that it becomes a consistent pattern of living. As we find ourselves moving in the wrong direction and all of a sudden we find that, that anger, this response, this natural human response, it's part of what it means to be a human, to have, to have emotions, to feel things. But then for anger to then become the pattern, right? For anger then to become the, the operating system in our lives, it moves from being a, a response and potentially even possibly a, a healthy response to certain scenarios to sin. Right, to something that's contrary to what God wants for us, that's contrary to the, the plan and the journey that's ahead of us. Because it leads, as it gets a foothold, we talk about anger with a person, it leads to a sinful attitude towards a person, which is incompatible with Christian community. Right? It, it breaks down the Christian community. So Paul says it's important as individuals that we get this right, that we have a healthy relationship with our emotions that we can feel things, and it's natural for us to feel things. It's natural for us to, to respond to certain circumstances in certain ways, but, but we can't dwell in that. We can't let that be the way that we operate. We can't let that be our operating system. Because it's not that, that, that anger is incompatible. It's the not dealing with it in the right way that's incompatible. Right? It's, it's not dealing with it in the right way that becomes destructive to Christian community. So Paul says you've got to put it off. You've got to put off not just what you feel. Right? We're not, he's not asking us to, to just operate as numb, unresponsive people. But, but he says we have to have a healthy relationship with this thing. That we, that we respond and we, we deal with that. But then, but then we have to learn to put it off. And we start to move forward and operate differently. That it doesn't become sin. It doesn't become this prevailing attitude that breaks down and is destructive and toxic to Christian community. It says anyone, verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must, must steal no longer, right? but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they, that they may have something to share with those in need. Paul is saying, now we're talking about trading one way of living for another. He says if, if you have been up to this point living your life based on and, and supporting yourself, maybe supporting your family based on theft, right? this this way of operating, then, then, then you, you have to stop, right? This is a, this is a don't bring part of the journey. Like if, 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 if you're a thief, then, then, then 
you got to let that go. But he says, but what if we didn't just let that go and say, well, well, tomorrow I just have to somehow make myself not steal. And if I can, if I can get through, through one more day of not stealing, then, then, then I can get to the next day and I, and I, I don't steal that day. Right? And we live this pattern of just saying, I'm like, going to get as close to this as I can, but I'm not going to fall into it. I just have to avoid theft. Paul says, what if we saw this differently? What if we saw not just that we're going to, to, peop, to, to be people who don't steal, if we move and we say, so what would it look like for me to, to learn a skill, right? to, to make things that are useful, to, to be part of a community where it's not just that I'm, that I'm, that I'm a, like a, a non-practicing thief, but I'm now a person who provides in a healthy way to my community. Right, where I can actually meet the needs of those around me because, because I've traded this, this thing, this do not bring thieving for something that's productive and useful and helpful for people in need. Right? It's a different kind of pattern. It's not just the, the don't do this, but it's the, it's the put on part that matters. It's the, this is a different way of living, trading one way of living for another, trading self-focus, right? stealing and thieving is, 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 is self-centered and, and focused on just simply surviving and trading that for thriving, right? This others-focused reality. You, you can't be both, right? There's, there's this tension that exists between these two things. You, you can't be a, a generous thief, right? A person who steals, but it's like, well, it's just not about me. It's just my, you know, it's just how I provide for myself. I totally care about other people, but I just want the things that belong to them, right? It's, it's, it do, it's incompatible. So you have to trade one for the other. You can't be both. And what Paul is saying is, is generous is better, Right? If we're going to choose one side or the other, we're going to, we're going to let go of the, of, the, of the stealing and we're going, to, we're going to take hold of generosity, operating in a completely different kind of way. Right? This is the, the invitation that's actually being made is, is more than just avoiding things, but, but living differently. He says, do not, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that, that it may benefit those who listen. Just like stealing, it becomes a different way of living. We, we, we don't just avoid unwholesome talk, right? It's like, you got to do that, right? That's, that's what's required, but what is better? What is better is, is conversation that, that's purposeful, that's intentional, that, that, that builds other people up, that, that helps them on their journey. So it's, it's not just, can I get away with saying this, but, but how does this benefit the person that I'm speaking to? How, could, how does this make a difference in their lives? How can I build up this person, not how can I get away with saying this? So instead of letting unwholesome talk come out of our mouth, what is it, what is it to say to say, I'm going to make a decision to, to speak in a way that's helpful for people, that builds people up according to their needs, right? That it becomes others-focused, that, that it may be a benefit to those who are listening. You can see what Paul's trying to get at as we talk about the, the, the rules. He's saying, so if, if all we're doing is avoiding, if all we're doing is, 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 is just not doing certain things, we're missing most of what God is actually inviting us to. He says, we, we have to do this. We've got to let go of this. We can't do We've got to call that out, but, but we've got to move into something better, this, this transformed way of living, this transformed way of operating. That there is so much potential in our lives. There's so much that, that could be if we're willing to, to take that step, to, to make that move. And Paul says, so, so do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, verse 30, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I think part of what he's talking about in that moment is saying, so, so don't grieve the Holy Spirit with your unmet potential. Right? With, with just simply trying to, and usually probably failing more often than not, trying to avoid certain things. 
to live in the potential of, of this transformed life that God is inviting. So much so that, that he sent his son to, to provide forgiveness for you, that he sent his spirit to, to guide us to this, not just to, not just to continually convict us of this. See, this is what could be. This is what could be. Let's, let's take hold of what's worthy. He says, so get rid of. So get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. He says, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And he's describing these two ways that a community can operate, these two ways that, 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 that a community who are, who are trying to, to, to figure out what it looks like together, there's two ways they can operate. One is bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice which might make great reality TV, right? It might make a really interesting church to look at, but not a great church to be a part of. There's all sorts of interesting stories that could happen, but he says, so, so, so it's those things, which are our natural inclinations, our, our flesh that would take us to operate in those ways. He says, but we get rid of all of that. And then we take hold of, we take hold of something different, that we trade bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and, and every form of malice. We trade that. We trade that for kindness, compassion for one another, forgiveness for one another, remembering that just as in Christ, God forgave us. He says that this better way, this, this way of living that's different is, is remembering what has been done for us. So we get rid of certain things and get rid of all these behaviors. He says, let go of all of this. And there's this turn that he does in, this, in these two sentences. He, he talks about these certain behaviors that are incompatible. He says, so you've got to let go of those things. So, so don't do, don't do, don't do. He says, and be kind. And be compassionate. So we're talking about the actual reality of who we are. So, so there's certain behaviors and, and things that, that shouldn't define you. So, so don't do those. He says, so... So trade that doing for this being and then let that being change the way you do things, right? Which is a totally different way. It's a complete reverse of, of what happens. Instead of just being people who, who just react and respond and act and act and act, he says, what if we focused on who we are? Focused on the kind of person that we are. Focused on, on, the, on the who we are in Christ. And then let the doing flow out of that and watch how it's different because it's not going to be bitter. It's not going to be marked by anger. It's not going to be marked by malice. It's going to be marked by kindness and compassion because we're not talking necessarily about personality changes, right? We're not saying like, well, look, this is like I'm a gruff person and now, I'm, now I've got to like just be this like gentle kind of person. It's like, well, you can be gruff in speech maybe and still be kind, right? And still be compassionate, still have empathy for others. So, so follow starting at the beginning of, of chapter 5. So follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as, in Christ, uh, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He says follow, walk in the way, which means it's not just one choice, right? It's not just one step, but it's an actual way of living, this, this series of choices that become a way of life. Is the faith, this, this faith applied to the act of living means that we choose to live out our transformed life. Saying, God, I want to, want to see you do something in me, but, but not just like so I can experience it, so that others, so that the world around me can experience the transformation that you're doing in me. It says, so, so remember that you've been forgiven. 
So for you and, and for whatever that next step in your journey is, he's describing this outcome. Saying, so, so follow God's example as dearly beloved children as, and, and walk in the way of love just as, in, as, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. It's talking about two different kinds of outcomes. There's one we saw earlier in this passage where he says, so don't grieve the spirit. There's this other where it's like, follow God's example as, as dearly loved children. He says we can actually not just avoid grieving the spirit, but we can live lives that, that are compatible, that, that are fragrant to God. Not just forgiven, but forgiven for what's next. And so what we're talking about, what Paul is talking about, is, is more than just avoiding it's describing a community. It's describing a people that, that, that become attractive to, to the world around us, that, that become attractive to even ourselves as we're, as we're part of what's happening. We, we're, we're this attractive community that's a fragrant thing for God. Right? It doesn't just create a healthy community. It doesn't just create a healthy church. It, it creates an attractive community, a church that is attractive to those who are part of it, is that when God looks at that what happens at Birch Ridge, what happened to the church in Ephesus, is it becomes a fragrant thing for him if we get it right. right? If, we, if we can make the move from, from the don't do to the be. So, so what would it look like for us to, to be that kind of community, to be a, to be a community that is, that is fragrant to God? Right? That, that, is, that is pleasing to him, that's, that's, that's attractive to to us as a church, it's, it's what we want to be a part of, that we look and we say, I look forward to being together because, because people care about me. Because it's not just about the people playing referee, but it's about people that are really cheering for me to, to get to where God wants me to be, that, that they care so much about me that they're willing to speak truth, that we have a healthy relationship with the truth, that we can operate with our emotions in a healthy kind of way, that, that this becomes a place that, well, it's not becomes, it, it continues to be a place. That's, that's good, right? That, that, that's a safe environment for us to, to take those kinds of next steps where we, can, where we can spend time wrestling with questions and working our way through in this journey that, that God is inviting us to. It becomes fragrant, it becomes attractive to God, it becomes attractive to us or is attractive to us because we're part of something beautiful in a world that simply usually isn't. This radically countercultural kind of community. And then it becomes attractive to the world around us. Not just that people would come to this place, but that this place would make a difference in, in the world around it. That as we go, that, that, that what comes with us, because we operate differently, because we operate with kindness, we operate with compassion, we, we don't just simply avoid things, but, but we live differently. That Birch Ridge Community Church becomes a place that, that's fragrant within our community, that we continue to, to experience the, the, the kinds of relationship with the world around us that helps people see God more clearly in and through our lives, which means that we have to have a healthy relationship with the truth. It means telling the truth, which means we're willing to have hard conversations sometimes. Right? We're not just going to be nice and, 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 and maybe kind of like have these white lies that help people still feel good about themselves. We're saying, look, I'm, I'm not going to be unkind. I'm not going to be like brutal in how I approach this, but I'm going to be clear man, I, I want for you something better than what is. And so we get together. Maybe it's, it's over coffee. Maybe it's, it's in a small group setting or in a conversation where it's like, look, I'm not just trying to get you to stop doing things. I'm trying to help you see who you really are. 
right? The, the, the what could be that, that Paul isn't writing this passage to be frustrating to us. He's, he's writing it because he believes that we can get there. That all of us, right, no matter what steps we've taken wrong in the journey, that, that our next step can be a step in the right direction, that, that the next step and the rest of the journey can be, can be healthy. And so we don't have just low expectations for people, but we speak truth. We tell the truth because we want to see people move forward, that, that we're not afraid to, to help people see things differently. So it's a healthy relationship with the truth. It's, it's a healthy relationship with our emotions, right? How we deal with anger and frustration. When things don't go our way, when our circumstances don't match expectations, what do we do? How do we respond? Do we dwell in our anger? Do we, do we allow our anger to become the, the, the way that we see the other person? Or do we operate differently? Do we, do we move past that, let the sun go down, and, and it's, a, it's a different thing? Do we deal in a healthy way with our anger and frustration? Do we deal in a healthy way with our unmet expectations? And then we build others up. So it's a healthy relationship with the truth. It's a healthy relationship with our emotions. And it's a healthy relationship with others. Right? So all of that right, becomes the foundation for the way that we relate to each other. That the, the, the individual work, the, the in us stuff that God has to do in us to, to help us be a healthy part of a community then, then begins to transform the, the way the community operates together. It means that we have intentionality in our speech and in our conversation. That, that we say, so, so how can this conversation help this person move forward? Right? How does this actually build them up? How can I be intentional in my conversation so that, so that what happens in the midst of this conversation, is a, it becomes a transformational environment. Just the, 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 the two of us together talking becomes a, a means by which God helps us be transformed. That we have this building up of others, which means that we are, we are kind and compassionate and caring, which doesn't necessarily mean personality, right? We're going to still be who we are, but we can operate out of a different way that, that we're not talking personality, we're talking approach. We are, in some ways, we have certain personalities, but that doesn't mean that we can't be kind. It doesn't mean that we can't be compassionate. It doesn't mean that we can't be caring because we're called, right, to put off and to put on. And the putting, on, put, the putting off and the putting on question really is a question of identity. It really is a question of, of how am I going to see myself? Right? Do I want to live my life just simply trying to avoid these things? Or maybe for some of us, it's like, I'm not even sure I can, I can avoid these things, so I'm just going to try and minimize their impact or maybe even minimize whether or not other people know that these things are happening in my world. We're going to do that this putting off and putting on question. And we're going to identify ourselves as a person who's, who's just trapped in this, this do not do, do not do, but maybe every once in a while I do just because I can't help myself. But we're going to be in that world just simply trying to avoid certain things. Or are we going to be a people that are, that are putting on kind of people, saying this is the life, right? This is the way that, that God is inviting me to. This is, this is what I want. Because the putting off and putting on question really is a question of identity. What is it that we're going to allow to define us? Our circumstances, right? Those things that might cause us to, to fall into old patterns of behavior or fall into certain things. Are we going to, our, our circumstances, is that what's going to define us? Or is it going to be our identity, right? Our identity in Christ. And the way that we answer that question doesn't just happen this morning, right? It doesn't just happen as we say, like, I want to be a person, right? It's important that we make that choice, that we say, look, I'm going to choose one way or the other, that I'm not going to allow my circumstances and my past mistakes and all those things, I'm not going to let those be the things that define me. It's important that we make that choice. So I want, I want this way. 
that choice matters, but then the choices that we make that support that choice matters too. What we do this afternoon, what we do tomorrow, what we do in relationship with others, it's, it's the choices that are going to be the thing that becomes what defines us. And so we put off, which means that we have to get over ourselves. For some of us, that means that we have to get over our past. We're putting off our past saying that, look, there are things that have happened to us. There are mistakes that we have made. There are things that have been done or said or whatever that, that have marked us. And this is an invitation to, to put that off, right? to, to start fresh, to start in a new way, to say my past is, is a different chapter of the story. Right? I'm on a whole different journey now. So we put, off, we put off our past getting over ourselves or getting over our past, getting over our preferences, saying, so I don't know, this, this feels like it might be uncomfortable. Or, this is unfamiliar territory. I think I'm going to stay like, around this area because at least I know what to expect. This feels comfortable because it's familiar. It feels safe because it's, 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 it's what I'm used to. To get past those preferences and say, I want to take hold of something better. Right? That's different get over ourselves by getting over our, letting go of our past, our, our preferences and our preoccupations, right? Those things that would take our attention away from the things that matter. Those things that when we're thinking, when we're processing, those things that become the lens that we view the rest of the world through, that, that we let go of our distractions. We let go of the things that distract us that are keeping us from, from taking hold of the what could be. And then we put on Right? It's not just putting off, it's the putting on. We put on the way of Jesus to recognize that we have been invited to be saved, to be forgiven, and to be transformed, right? which is more than just simply kind of like the skin of our teeth making it through. It's a different way of living. So we're given a choice to, to accept that invitation, then to, to enter into this process of transformation where God's work starts to, 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 to work in us and we, we make these choices, we put off things so that God can do work. We're giving him space to work in our lives so that, so that we can be different. Right? We're, we're doing the don't bring part of our packing list so that the things can be added to that, are really matter, that really matter, that are important. Creating space for God to do his work in our lives. And then we make choices. We make choices that that, that, that mean that we're living out of this transformed life. So we engage in creating community, right? We engage in, in creating the kind of spaces where these things happen, that we engage in, in living on mission, helping the world see what God can do because God's at work in us. It doesn't become this theoretical reality, or this theoretical thing. It becomes this, this lived reality in the world around us. Because this is what we're invited to. This is what what the invitation actually is. And I think for us to make that move, it changes us. It's going to change this community here, this local church community, and it's going to change the world around us. This is what Paul is speaking, and this is what we're invited to.